0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you
1: did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Lisa Brady. America has a shortage of police officers, a problem that accelerated in recent years after the twin shockwaves of 2020, the pandemic and the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Louisiana's new Republican Governor Jeff Landry recently declaring a state of emergency and lifting hiring and payroll limits on sheriff's departments. The governor, a former police officer and sheriff's deputy, says Louisiana alone needs hundreds of deputies, state police, and New Orleans officers, and that 78 percent of law enforcement agencies across the country are having problems with recruitment. He also opened a special session of the state legislature on crime by calling for steps to restore balance in the criminal justice system. Proposals include restricting eligibility for parole, lowering the age to be tried as an adult for a felony to 17, and immunity from liability for law enforcement officers, while Democrats argue for a more holistic approach, including more programs to address drug addiction, mental health, and prisoners reentering society. We spoke with retired New York City Police Inspector Paul Morrow, who's now a Fox News contributor, about what's driving the officer shortage and how some communities are faring better with recruitment. We made some edits for time, and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Fox News Rundown weekday podcast. Now, here's Paul Morrow on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Before we get into what's driving a shortage of officers um, around the country, really, I'm wondering, can you put this into some context for us? Are we are we running out of police officers in America?
2: I mean, it certainly looks that way. And by some of the reporting that you hear, it does certainly seem to be trending in that direction. A lot of the news reports coming out now seem to be indicating that a lot of small departments around the country that serve small towns and village areas are disbanding and kicking up their responsibilities for response and investigation to the counties or even the state police wherever they reside. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have things like New York City, which I can speak from... Uh, better knowledge because I'm here. That the NYPD is down two to three thousand police officers, and in fact has has made no progress really in recruitment. They they're not at replacement levels. The last academy class was only about fifty percent to sixty percent subscribed, and you lose. There's always attrition during the academy process because people leave to take better jobs, et cetera. So at both ends of the spectrum, you're hearing the same story, which is we can't get cops. We can't retain cops. And when you're seeing it at both ends, you kind of have to say to yourself that it does look like a a solid trend.
1: Hmm. Now, critics of calls to defund the police um, may be quick to blame that movement for this. How much are cultural factors driving this, though, versus other factors?
2: I would say 75 percent. Um, And, you know, normally I wouldn't like to quantify it, but look, Lisa, the true, the truism of police work is that nobody goes into it for the money. And, you know, uh, sort of proof of that is the fact that here in New York, in an effort to increase recruitment, Mayor Adams opened up the books pretty good for the NYPD, gave them pretty good raises last time around. It was a promise, campaign promise, that he actually came through on. It didn't work. And the reason for that is, yeah, are there alternatives? Sure, there are other jobs you can take out there, et cetera. But what we're seeing is that, yeah, the other jobs people are taking in the police world, certainly, are outside of New York. They're all going to Florida. They're all going to Carolina. They're all going to Texas. I can tell you that from, that's more than anecdotal. And the reason for that is that it isn't about the money. In many cases, they take pay cuts, To go to these other places in fact they take demotions um a lieutenant of mine who worked for me a lawyer he worked for me when i was the commanding officer of the legal bureau he just picked up with all that seniority he had he could have been padding his pension from now until doomsday picked himself up and he moved down south to go to a different department and so you say to yourself well why and the reason is is those are areas where the police are not vilified where you don't feel like you have a target on your back and you don't feel like that if you step on a sidewalk crack, you're going to have five, six different agencies climbing all over each other to make you the bad guy, to make you the poster boy, to, to prosecute you. And yeah, you know, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but I have to tell you, having gone through the 2020 summer of love here in New York in the post Floyd era, I can tell you that the level of headhunting on the police department, while my cops were getting hit with bricks and just trying to get through the day in one piece, The level of of headhunting by the investigatory agencies charged with investigating police was a feeding frenzy. And that includes Tisha James, the New York State Attorney General, who is making such bank on going after Donald Trump, as we've seen. She's the one who brought the civil suit that just cost him whatever it was, $355 million. While she is spending her time doing that, um, she could be doing genuine uh, police work. But this is what she chooses to focus on. And the same went during the summer of love. So it is just a mindset. It is a cultural thing, as you term it, that just makes cops say, you know what, I want to be the good guy. Police want to be the good guy. That's why they go into it. They want to do work that feels good to them at the end of the day. And they want to go home in one piece. They know they're not going to be rich. They know there may be a level of security in it. You'll have a pension. It won't be much, but you'll have it, et cetera. Once you take that white hat off of them and you make them the bad guy and you make them the target, don't expect them to run towards gunshots and don't expect them to get up in the morning and want to do the job. And we're starting to see that attrition. Fox News Radio On Demand
0: on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today.
1: The math definitely On top of all of that, um, the math isn't adding up right now, um, at least in some areas, um, in terms of hiring, being able to keep up with the amount of resignations and retirements, right? So how does that get fixed if not as many people want to be police officers or, you know, don't want to be police officers in certain areas?
2: Well, Lisa, one of the benefits of uh, being around for a while in, in the police world is that you see the trends come and go. And so let's speak from experience. We can go back to the 90s. And it was a Democratic president, Bill Clinton, who confronted this, uh, pushed through bipartisan legislation in Congress, which by the way, Joe Biden signed, which he now would like to run away from, that put more cops out there, funded more cops. But what it very significantly did was throw an attaboy at the police and said, the handcuffs are off. You're not the target, the bad guys are the target. And this was coming out of the crack epidemic uh we had a record number of homicides here in new york in the early 90s and the cities were really declining and it got to the point that uh the president the president uh, bill bill clinton pushed through this legislation bill uh i'm sorry joe biden actually famously termed some of the people that the police were targeting predators which is one of the things that the progressives still haunt him over but it worked. I mean, it did work. And New York City, which is, you know, the kind of the paradigm, because this is where they road test all these policies, came back into a, an unforeseen renaissance. And, you know, just to put the light, a lot of the canards that have floated from the left regarding policing, in the beginning of the de Blasio term, we've maybe never had a mayor in New York who was as liberal as uh, Bill de Blasio. I think, you know, in his past life, he termed himself a communist. In the beginning of his tenure, And when he was building on the successes of the Bloomberg administration, he had an A-list police commissioner here in Bill Bratton. And so he wouldn't mess with Bratton. And he let Bratton do the job. And, you know, not only did we have record lows in murders, in, in all the seven majors, and the crime continued to decline, but we had declining incarceration. It was not a just lock them up and forget about it, throw away the key. It was, in fact, the opposite. All the measures that the traditional sort of police executives, police professionals have advocated for kind of came together right there. Was You know, their success was built on prior administrations, the Bloomberg administration. Ray Kelly is the police commissioner. But uh, a little reconfiguring when Bratton came in and every metric was going in the right direction. And that's at a time when we were in the midst of really combating terrorism, which at the time was my remit. And, you know, we had a thousand uniformed and non-uniformed combating, uh, doing counterterrorism work daily. And yet we still got it done. Why? We had the horses, but we had the backing of the people of New York through the media and through the prosecutor's offices. And once Bratton went, de Blasio, like so many mayors across the nation, saw political purchase in vilifying the police. That's why they turned their backs on him at funerals and, and wakes And he began to default to his true DNA. And then you began to get these progressive prosecutors. And then of course we got the Floyd incident and the entire thing shifted. The progressives saw their opening to push through their entire wish list of anti-police reforms. And we're living with that now. And as somebody who's lived it and breathed it and lives in the city, I can tell you that if they tell you that they they will bend over backwards to tell you that it's this, it's that, I've done a study. It's not this, it's not that. Don't believe it. Good policing by responsible police professionals works, and it's been proven. And now they're bending over backwards trying to figure out how to undo it. And again, we're seeing the results.
1: In Louisiana, where the governor has declared a state of emergency over the police shortage, they are looking at harsher penalties for criminals as a way to help reduce crime by keeping repeat offenders off the streets. How much does that help? with recruiting and retaining
2: police. Well, it's only certainly won't hurt, because at the very least, you're not encountering the same people all the time because there's nothing worse morale than the situation you have in New York now where police arrest people. And before their shift is over, in fact, well before their shift is over, sometimes within the hour, uh, the perp is right back out on the street to do the same thing. And, you know, they thumb that they literally thumb their noses at the police. The uh, procedure now in New York for most crimes is you just take the person to the precinct, you do some paperwork, and you release them right from the precinct. It's an, it's an incredible turn of events. So if you're actually locking up the bad guys, you know it, you get to the point, there are various theories of incarceration, There's, you know whether it should be used for retribution, whether it should be used for rehabilitation. But you do get to a point when you've got crime that is just really spiraling and quality of life is going down so much. That you default to incarceration's most basic paradigm, which is keep the bad guys away from the good guys. And if they're locked up, at least they're not committing crimes on innocent people. Now, that's a very blunt instrument, and it is not a one-size-fits-all. And the answer to everything is just not lock them up and forget about it. Of course not. But we've gone way too far in the other direction. And if the police at least are getting some satisfaction out of pursuing crime solving cases as detectives putting together uh, intelligence profiles to try to figure out uh, how they can lead intelligence-led policing you start to professionalize the whole thing you get some job satisfaction out of it and the fact that your paycheck isn't much maybe matters a little bit less
1: what about ideas like lowering fitness standards or taking other steps toward easing qualifications for policing around the country in an effort to boost recruitment. How concerned should we be about ideas like that?
2: Uh, Extremely, extremely. Um, It's a real bad idea, but unfortunately, it's an idea whose time is firmly here. This is not new. Um, They were starting this stuff when I was there. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's a bad idea. But you know what? It's an idea that you adhere to when you have no choice. Because if you just can't fill the ranks of the police department, you're going to have to get people and hire them, despite the fact that they can't get over the wall in the academy. You know, one of the tests in the police academy is that you have to jump over a wall. You have to just run. You have to do all these things. You have to be able to lift a certain amount of weight. But then one of the other things you have to do, and this is where you really used to separate who can do it and who could not, was you had to jump over this wall. and. You know they there all of a sudden became all of these silly workarounds about jumping over the wall so that they could keep people in those seats because uh, you know it, police recruitment is off, often a problem has always been a something of a problem, but uh, you know that, that that's what they used as the kind of red line, and uh, they would manage to overlook it i can't I think if unless I heard in fact they completely eliminated the wall jump here in New York because uh, you know they they knew that if they kept it in place. They could barely fill the ranks that they they're even funded for so it is something you should be concerned about one of the things that i found as a police executive was that some of my best people were the military folks and i've often advocated that there should be a program that allows for some sort of quick transition from the military to go into police work i don't know if it's a bonus if there's some kind of an incentive but you know those people they understand Uh, institutions, they understand bureaucracy, they understand taking orders, they understand following orders, they understand danger. And um, my military people always very, very good. The downside was you would lose them very often to deployments. And, you know, if they were in the reserves, but you know what, you kind of put up with that because they were so solid. So one of the things I've always advocated for is some sort of a bonus or incentive to get military folks into policing because they tend to be very squared away. And you want as many of them, uh, as many of them as you can get. And they also tend to be in pretty good shape, and uh, right now I think that's uh, you know it's important because these perps are not afraid of the cops anymore, and they will fight you
1: and you've talked about trends coming and going um, and to the extent that there's a problem right now w- with numbers and with shortages of of police, hopefully that trend um, does change soon. But how optimistic are you at this point about the future of policing in America?
2: Not very. And it's because primarily of the media. And I know we all beat up on the media incessantly, but you know what? They deserve it. Um, And I, you know, as somebody who's actually part of the media now working as a Fox news contributor, um, you know, I I accept Fox from this because their reporting is far superior and you know, they, they're going to look at the facts and they're not knee jerk supportive of the police. They were very hard in the Ovaldi situation, but they take a considered approach they take a professional approach, whereas a lot of these other media outlets, they're just they can't wait to destroy the police. And I won't bore your audience with the hundreds of anecdotes that I could give that I was inside of. Or I just saw them bend the facts or completely ignore facts, ignore interviews, ignore counterfactuals that the police department gave because it didn't fit their narrative that the police were somehow or other some fascistic occupying army in the inner cities. And there's a whole industry of people who sue police departments and it's not just the lawyers it's these advocates et cetera. and they're out there they know how to work it they're experienced with it they're all very well funded and one of the ways they're funded we're seeing it now with these anti-israel protests one of the ways they're funded is by suing police departments and you don't really sue a police department by the way you sue the city that's really who you get to and those are some of the deepest pockets you're going to get as a lawsuit except for the federal government so there's a real incentive there the judges let it go through the juries in these inner cities tend to be very blue and they go along with this stuff and uh as a result you know it's an industry and i i just don't see that changing there's all kinds of real basic uh approaches here that have to change and they're outside the, of the policing world you know you can configure police department you can you can rejigger things you know you can say We're going to have fewer cops and more sergeants, more supervisors. We're going to put in this policy. We're going to put in that policy. But, you know, police executives, they can't change a culture that is really wedded to the idea that these are the guys that we're going to blame for everything. And, you know, in New York, there's a law law that the city council put through that if in wrestling with a perp, you depress the diaphragm of that suspect in any way, you're guilty of a misdemeanor. He fights you. You happen to press on his chest and you're going for the misdemeanor. And I can tell you, they can't wait to use it. I was there when they were trying to charge an officer and it was completely ridiculous. He was on the side of the angels. He was wrestling with somebody who was on drugs, who was a danger to himself and others. They wanted to charge him. And it's out there and without a basic change in that approach. I'm sorry, but I really can't be anything but pessimistic until this bottoms out and people wise up.
1: Former NYPD Inspector Paul Morrow, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you, Lisa. And thanks again for your service.
2: Oh, thank you. Was that okay?
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. You're always great, and we're thankful to have you.
0: Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.
2: This is Jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.